Hello devs and welcome to the Debug Log episode 35. I'm Ryan and I'm doing an intro for once. And this week I'm here to tell you about uh, first person shooters and how they've affected gaming over the years. Yes, the evolution of the first person shooter is something near and dear to my heart. It's some uh, First person shooters are something that got me started in gaming as well as an interest in programming. So in this episode we're going to go over some of the uh, contributions that the FPS has given to the industry over the years such as technological innovation, gameplay, and art. So sit back, grab a shotgun, and let's shoot this one off. So get ready for the Debug Log Episode 35, The Evolution of the First Person Shooter from Doom to Doom. You guys ready? We got a We're system. ready. <laughs> you're, you're ready? Because I'm ready, I think. <laughs> Actually, let me give him a water bottle real fast. <laughs> He's going to run away from... It's like playing cards with his sister's kids. I gotta get a haircut. I'll be back. I gotta get a haircut. Hold on, guys. <laughs> I gotta go lock the door right. 20 times. Exactly 20 times. Exactly. I gotta go check I gotta wash my hands. New bar soap. New bar soap. Yeah. All right. Oh, <laughs> That's funny. All right. <laughs> If you want to catch us in the meantime, go to the debug log at Team <laughs> Yeah, that's our episode. Good night. <laughs> You're listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about game development. I'm Ryan Kilgore. I'm Andrew Curry. And I'm Obino Opara. And there are only three of us tonight, if you can count. Um, and tonight is going to be me at the helm. The three elders of three the group. Three elders right? of the group. Very good point, actually, yeah. Abina, yeah. are you over 30 yet? No, I'm still still no. below it. Nah, all right. Still well, my children. youthful, jovial self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someday you'll be respected. But, um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tonight was an episode. Uh, I'm actually helming it, and uh, it it has to do with uh, something that's uh, very close to my heart. A reason I got into gaming, and it is the first person shooter. And I want to talk about sort of the evolution of the first person shooter, both you know, sort of like technologically, socially, gameplay, story, space, inventory, you know, whatever. You know, it's it, there's been a lot of sort of variations in the genre over time. And it's come a long way. It's given a lot to gaming. And, you know, I just want to kind of explore a lot of that. And we're kind of going to take this in sort of a timeline approach, uh, a very chronological type of thing. And the really sort of the meat of the, ep- or the sort of, uh, bookends of the timeline are doom and we're basically going to take doom. it yes from doom to doom and that's it's, it's timely because that just came out right? exactly this week. it's like it you know it kickstarted the genre and now it just came out and it's getting some you know the latest one just came out and it's getting a fair amount of praise so um i figure you know yeah. great place to you know sort of frame it um it, yeah before we get started too, i like to say them FPSs are also my favorite types of game too. There's what I felt. I, I went through periods of where I was fascinated with NES when I was a kid and played Mario, but I never really liked a lot of those games. And I, I didn't have a computer at this time, so. <laughs> but throughout all those years, I kind of dabbled with games and I always jumped back in. But I, I was like, I love these things, but I don't really. Nothing's connected with me, and it wasn't until. My introduction to FPS was Halo. We'll get to that later, but they brought me back in. I was like, "These are the games I've been waiting for." And now I'll play any FPS. I love FPSs, yeah. so I'm, it's yeah, also I'm the my same favorite. Way. Type. I actually, well, I started with RTS, and then like for Age of the Empires, and then I moved over. I think Halo was the one that got me to that really got me engaged yeah. in FPSs. So it was so engaging. Yeah, 
and serious kind of not really though <laughs> but it felt like a movie or something yeah yeah well yeah we'll definitely get to that and that is one of the big aspects of halo um yeah because i love that too um but and yeah. actually i'm gonna start off with a little bit of a lie as well because um it's sort of from doom to doom but we gotta give kind of give wolfenstein 3d a nod which so, well, so True. Yeah, yeah so we're gonna start the timeline in 1992 with wolfenstein 3d and um, it's it wasn't the first FPS. I actually saw some articles about how there were some actual people at uh, NASA Ames Research that came up with the first sort of FPS in a very very basic form. But we won't get into all that. Um, it's very sort of esoteric. But uh, yeah, Wolfenstein 3D was the first one that sort of like cheated on the whole FPS thing. And I believe Obina made a post about that recently. So. You want to say something about oh, yeah. that? Oh, <clears> yeah. <throat> oh, yeah. I posted that actually in, uh, I think I did it in the lounge. Uh, and that was like a post that basically went through how, you know, Doom and Wolfenstein 3D, how they weren't actually 3D games. You know, everyone like had this misconception that these were these first 3D games and it was so, so cool. Uh, and it was really cool, but they were actually made, it was just using 2.5D. Um, and I know, you know, Ryan, I was talking about in the lounge as well about some of the the like that you had to do some programming test or was it, you know, that actually utilize some of the, the tips and tricks or, you know, the coding uh, voodoo that they used uh, <laughs> in software to, to you know, you know, create create these two point five Ds. Uh, is it just like projecting two D like billboards? Is that what it was doing, or is it? Yeah, from what I understand, <laughs> it was like essentially, you know, it was all a two D out like a two D outlook, like sort of top down. So you know, there was only you know, depending on your coordinate system x y. So you're moving around the room, but depending on your field of view, it was actually like sort of looking at the walls or texture sets to actually rend- like sort of scan line render. From what I understand, like what yeah. you saw on the walls. So it, you were never in a full three D environment. It was just very clever at saying, oh, I can see this bit of wall textures right now. So let's draw that up and down the screen. And as I look around, you know, that was a fast enough algorithm to actually present those walls in a way that looked 3D. So, yeah, it was just like, yeah, rendering those lines and those walls based on the depth. Uh, I guess the distance, like you said, the scanning. Of right. The, yeah. From the actual texture. So. So yeah, that was really cool, uh, and I yeah I will definitely we have to definitely put that in the show notes as well, so you guys can you know see yeah, that check article that into that video. It was, it was it, yeah, it was definitely very interesting. And the, and the thing about this is, is like you know, it's like oh that wasn't 3D, but you know, in games, it's all tricks, it's all magic, it's all smoke and mirrors. You know, you don't have to be you know the truly as long as it feels like it, I guess yeah. exactly. Yes. It's like it looked that way, it felt that way, so it is Wolfenstein 3D because. What else have you seen that could do that? It looked 3D. Yeah, if you're, yeah, your character could walk around in a quote unquote 3D world, right? So I mean, it's to them who cares whether it's yeah. how they did it. It's it's not like somebody's coming around like certifying this shit. So uh, <laughs> not 3D, <Yeah>. not 3D, <laughs> 3D. That's shitting real. That's shitting real. That's funny. We should right. actually do that. <laughs> Like start like a little Certified. rating, like a rating. Just say, that's like the most innocuous thing now. This game, actual true 3D. Yeah. Yeah, I see three coordinates like in this AR. Yeah, <laughs> this is a VR game. Right. Sorry, no, <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so moving on to the next iteration, which is st- technically still not 3D, but we get to the first bookend, which is Doom, and this game was revolutionary. I mean, people were like. 
you know, waiting on their BBSs, if you can remember those kiddies, and probably not, but um, basically waiting online to download this at the first drop, and it was, uh, it had a lot of technological innovation. It was a, like, uh, you know, it put FPSs on the map. It's, you know, the first one that just had this fast, gory, visceral, fun, just, you know, you're being attacked, kill everything sort of mentality. And the technology in it is uh, amazing. And this is actually, uh, I must say, what got me into game programming as I picked this up at like a Babbage's at the time. And these are all gonna be dated references, I'm sorry. So it's like, basically think of the GameStop of the time and share where we can get into these like distribution methods later. You know, basically I picked it up for a, a pittance and could like play the first episode. And it, it just amazed me, I mean, just seeing these imps explode and fly back and moving through these seemingly 3d environments um was amazing and what uh, like doom really had to offer was just uh just you know a lot of sort of innovations such as actually it was one of the first things to use texture mapping um so it would actually have you know texture data rendered onto the walls and you know it could create a more you know sort of realistic and detailed environment as well as like light levels and palettes for atmosphere so if you can remember back to wolfenstein it was just kind of all flat lighting this actually you could see like lights flickering sort of changes in tone on the palettes it was it was pretty amazing for the time it's you know it's taken for granted now but it's was pretty awesome yeah, and you mentioned before too that we're talking about the the person behind all this is John Carmack, at least the technical side of this. Oh yes, and we'll talk. You and I, we both mentioned before the Masters of Doom book, which tells this whole story, and we'll mention that at the end too. But in that, it kind of it's so inspiring for a program because it starts before in Wolfenstein. It starts with their um, is it Commander Keen? Yes, that was, their, that was one of their first titles. Yeah, yeah, because what happened is like John Carmack would just. I'm just going to innovate on engine. Let me make an engine that does smooth scrolling uh, 2D, right? And they, I think they made a clone of is it Mario 3? Yes, that was how they Mario? got together, yeah. actually, yeah. Is it, it, they made, they, he, he, he figured out the scrolling technology, right? Right. Actually, I think he even one-upped it in a sense, maybe. I may be giving... Oh, yeah. He, yeah like, did, did he even get back and forth or something? He even maybe even innovated on Mario technology at the time. Yeah, so to make it work for the PC, and then they're like, we're going to be billionaires. We're going to sell this to Nintendo, and they sent that off, and Nintendo's like, nope. No, we're yeah, not doing no, that. You're not doing that. <laughs> That's ours. Yeah. And we might sue you, too, so... <laughs> Like, <laughs> and so then they made their own Commander Keen and went into Wolfenstein and Doom. But through all these stages, it's fascinating because, one, it's one person generating all this yes. groundbreaking technology, John Carmack. Yeah. And it's just him doing it purely for the love of it. He wasn't even thinking about the games. He was like, you know what? I bet I could fake a 3D thing. Right. And then there's these other guys coming in going... Shit, we could put guns in there, man. Yeah, and he was like he I mean he enjoyed the games and stuff too, but he reading that story as a programmer, you're like, he was creating the world we live in right now and he yes. was just doing it because he's like, Oh, what's the next thing? Yeah. Texture mapping? Alright. I could we try that. that. Yeah. You know, I could yeah, it was it's so neat. So yeah. John Carmack, the genius behind all this. And it's the cool thing about like both Doom and Wolfenstein is just like, you know how their their emphasis was really on the technological advancement and just things they could do with technology um yeah. for games. And and it because you know, 
back then it wasn't really the focus wasn't really wasn't on like the story of the games you know or you know the characters or something because i mean i still <laughs> right. don't, i don't even remember like the doom the main character doom. he's really doom, doom guy and i think at some point he got doom a name guy. like like zap or i forget he got some shitty name at some point from romero but yeah <laughs> exactly but yeah it's cool like how they just sort of like let's focus on making this the best experience we can as you know as far as gameplay goes and and the feel of a game on console or on um PC. It's pure mechanics and technology exactly. driven games. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally why I wanted to program is seeing this and knowing this guy could do this shit. It was inspiring. Mm. Um, yeah. And actually, you know what? We aren't even done because off of Doom also came WAD files. And again, this is sort of the first pass yeah, this at is, modding. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, it's like people were actually... <laughs> Like uh, wad files, I uh, world something data, I forget. But basically, it's like, where's all the data or something? Yeah, where's, where's all, the, all data? the data? That's yeah, right. That's data. right. Um, where's all the data? And it was yeah, basically the first pass at saying, hey, we're gonna augment the game. We love this game. You know, you got your Skyrim mods or your like you, you know, um, uh, excuse me, uh, like GTA mods and all this other stuff that originated from Doom. Doom. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like they. Actually empowered users to change the game. Well, Counter we Strike was a mod too, right? Counter Strike. Counter Strike's a mod, yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of games are mod. Yeah, I mean that's all. And what's cool too, when you really, because I mean, we look at mods now as fun distractions or things that kind of. Oh, it's a funny post on Polygon. It's a Macho Man Randy Savage Skyrim <laughs> dragon. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> that, but in that book, like we said, it goes into how much that mod thing, mod community exploded at that time and how it just pushed this game into the stratosphere of people buying it because it made it an educational thing and even they had like religious-based mods and all these crazy things of this because people, all sorts of people would buy it just to be able to do that. Yeah. Actually, it, just, it really extended like the whole lifespan of the game, like both with Wolfenstein and Doom. It was like they saw that in Wolfenstein. It was like when we, you know, the ability to add mods to the game actually extended its life to you know something they never expected so i think that's another reason they really wanted to include that in doom too yeah and uh i you know and to andrew's point about extending it to other avenues like the military actually picked it up at one point oh yeah, yeah to train soldiers about quick reflexes in a combat situation the squad based tactics yeah, and stuff like absolutely. that absolutely yeah. and so like it, it just had so many uses in it's and when it was able to be modded and and they go ahead I was just going to say real quick, again, it's, this is the theme of this. Carmack, <laughs> Romero was the one's like, he's the Steve Jobs of all this, really, and this Wozniak yeah. is the Carmack, right? And because he's like, he's not doing it because he thinks it's going to make the game better. He's just like, no, they should have the files. Why can't they change it? Yeah. No, he's always, <laughs> he's yeah. just to, he's a, it's a pure programmer. He's just like, everybody should open it. He'd give it away for free, probably, if they let him. I don't know. You know, he's like, yeah, sure. No, yeah, he totally understands that because even, like, just, you know, before he left id, like, you know, Doom 3, its source code went out. Like, you know, I forget when they released the game. It was, like, within a year, the the core source code went out after that. He's like, you know, we need to educate people with this. The content is what we're selling. It's not my code. Mm -hmm. I want people to learn from my code. Yeah, because he talks about that. He and he talks about that idea that he has a scientific approach to that. Because in science, I mean, it depends now if the scientists work for companies. It's right. Pfizer or something. They might keep it. And but even that, you know, the patent things 
unlock it after a few years. But he's like, no, the scientific community, I make advances. I should share this with the world. Right. Why should I hold this back? You know what I mean? He's like a hacker. Origi- he's like an OG hacker from the 60s, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, they're about sharing everything. Code yeah. for the people, you know? It's like, fucking do yeah. it, you know? Yes. Guess what? We're still not done with Doom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Networking. Dwango. Doom White Area Network Gaming Online. or I forget the exact analogy or acronym. Wads and Dwangos. Yeah, Wads and Dwangos. 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 Dwango ain't my baby. <laughs> oh, okay. You took a different one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, okay. they actually in Doom uh, had some of the first network gaming setups to kill uh, you know, to actually—that's where deathmatch was spawned. Yeah. Was in Doom. Anytime you ever fight against anyone online, think about Doom. It's got the name there too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> deathmatch. Deathmatch came from Doom, and they—you know—they. And actually, from what I remember, again, Andrew, you're talking about uh, Masters of Doom. It's like I don't even think they. Like id software initially did it internally. There's a, maybe an out, I think an outside source that was saying, "Hey, we think we could do this," and then they sort of brought it into the fold and created right. deathmatch and like this sort of network gaming one-on-one type of thing. So it's weird. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird reading the book because you get these. All these examples from the texture mapping to the all these technological advances that John Carmack was like, "Yeah, why not." It's like, why weren't other people even trying this, though? Because it feels like they're the only game developer in the world. Yeah. Because the, this comes out, and I can understand your point of view. You're like, oh, yeah, some other games are pretty fun. And you're like, holy hell, this is like changes the game on yeah. like on eight different yeah. fronts, which is crazy. Yeah, this is actually the most, I think it's maybe the most bullet points in my timeline just for technological shit. Yeah. It's just like, and this is in 1993. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. So it's it's just nuts. And well, and here's here's one more bullet point. Um, the gore level. I mean, a so, in a social aspect, it attracted a lot of attention. And you know, the whole sort of like people worried about like games causing violence. This is one of the first ones where it's like, hey, look at the gore level in this game. You're you're eviscerating, you know, imps and uh, like zombie marines and stuff like that. And you know it. We're not going to get into this, but like it kind of even goes into the. It was the first game that had that attention. Yeah, yeah. it was the first game that had that attention where it's like where violence in games affects these troubled teens, right? Right, and then you start getting stuff like Mortal Kombat after that. It got put under the gun too, so it's yeah. So there's a laundry list of stuff Doom did for the industry, for better or for worse. So, right, yeah. all right, so we're going to leave that because that was a very meaty conversation. And then we're going to move on to Quake, which is another id software game. And we're still in the John Carmack realm and the uh, 3D sh- John Marrow's on his way out at this point, though, right? Yeah, he, he went he to go see through Quake. Yeah, yeah, I think, he, yeah, I remember hearing that, too. And he went to like work on, uh, what was it, Dai... Dai Daikatana. Yeah, Daikatana or yeah. something. Yeah, he's and starting that, to get toward the Ion Storm era here. Yeah, he went to, yeah, Iron Storm gave him money to make that. Because like, they left, because at some point, he's partying all the time and enjoying it and being all playboyish, I guess, with the money. And then John Carmack just, even though he's a bazillionaire, he just works. Yeah. 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day. He just keeps coding. And that, so I guess after a while, those personalities just clashed and they, they kind of pushed John out of the company. Yeah. Romero out of the company. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was like around this era, but yeah, it was definitely, you know, within, by the, uh, say, early 2000, like 2000s. Yeah, either, 
Yeah, it's either during this or they finished this and he left. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, so we're you know, we're at Quake now and we're first hitting the true 3D realm now. This was the first game that, you know, software rendering but true 3D. We're not faking anything. These are polygons being, you know, transit like pushed on the pipeline and like mapped to your screen and a true like the you know, a version of the modern 3D pipeline. And it was, again, groundbreaking, obviously. Um, you know, you, you you know you could actually look up and down where you're aiming actually mattered. Because, again, in these previous versions, like in Doom, if you're shooting at something, it's 2D. So, like, say you fire yeah. a rocket, that thing automatically adjusts and, like, you know, sets its height to whatever it's shooting toward. Yeah, you have no vertical adjustment yeah, in the yeah. game. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. and, you know, when you're looking around, it's like, it's, you know, you can't look up or down. And actually, there were some games sort of intermittently, I think, maybe even Dark Forces. I'm kind of going off script here, but Dark Forces that you look up or down, you got this weird sort of fisheye look because it wasn't maybe projecting right because you're like sort of trying to fake 3D and then fake moving your head in 3D and just getting this really it's sort like of... like a weird panoramic photo or something. Yeah, you're getting this weird projection yeah. when you look up and down. It sort of warps space, but um, anyway, Quake 3 was... or sorry, Quake was the first 3D uh, game that would just again blew it out it you know the multiplayer the you know the idea of moving in these spaces and having just you know the ability to free form sort of move and shoot was amazing um was this as big of an effect on you at this time like was this big a, as big a leap um, from like doom and now like holy hell like quake now too <laughs> doom was technologically but what quake did for me was multiplayer it made multiplayer okay. easier and um, I'll get into another part in a second. Hardware 3D, which is so it's sort of like sort of built off of Doom, like where Doom was like, here's, you know, sort of a fake 3D, but it looks awesome. Here's the first true 3D. And then you also top, throw on top of that uh, actual hardware accelerated 3D. The problem is you're going to have to buy a 300 card, dollar card now yeah. <laughs> to play these games. That brought in that era. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah, that was very early on. I was like, hey, you can play this in 3D and you can play it in like say OpenGL Glide Direct 3D Voodoo at the time um, and it looked amazing because you started getting transparency you started getting like you know a lot like a lot better texture panning blending and just things looked more like a lot higher resolution um, and this would this was all accomplished on your 8 megabyte video <laughs> RAM I'm not <laughs> shitting crazy. you 8 <laughs> It was eight megabytes of RAM on this fucking video card, and it could push this shit, and it looked awesome. So, and but again, like the visuals were amazing, and this is the first like sort of introduction to games using hardware to make things mo like more realistic, like just visually more uh, aesthetically pleasing. And um, but on top of that, there was the multiplayer. Which the multiplayer just came much easier, and there was third parties that started coming out, like say GameSpy, and they were just like, "Hey, you know, we realize now that you know connecting to multiplayer games is much easier, and people want to do that and kill each other. You know, let's create third-party software that can say, hey, you want to find a Quake Three or sorry, I keep saying Quake Three, um, but Quake <laughs> Deathmatch, you know, game here, like here's a bunch of servers running Quake. You just kind of like query out under the GameSpy." Uh, it, 
query out to GameSpot and say, hey, who's running Quake servers? And then it'll tell you, here's all these people running Quake servers. And you could just connect remotely and go out and play with people that weren't even on your local network, which was kind of like what Doom was sort of like, uh, I guess, um, fenced into, you know. So, it, you know, the multiplayer aspect of it was amazing. And that's and you could say like the Doom introduced the multi- multiplayer and it became so popular, but Quake is the one that really refined it, right? Because I mean, people still play Quake multiplayer now. Like, I mean, Quake one, two, and three, but I mean, a version of that is being played right as we speak, probably. Oh yeah, like, you know, they still play matches and stuff. It's like so popular. Yeah, like Quake Live. I mean, it's still up and running. So there you go. I mean, it's uh, it's it's still uh, you know a form of competition out there. Um, but actually, Jesus, this is another thing they did too. Was you know on you know going back to the mod um, aspect of this uh, team fortress. They created like they're the a team actually in Australia <laughs> created the first team the first team fortress. The wads mod. and Dwangos. Yeah, the wads and Dwangos <laughs> created the first team fortress mod, <laughs> and they were later bought by Valve. I mean, and this it was a similar game. You had all these character classes like a sniper, the heavy weapons guy, the demo man, the medic, all that stuff. And it's like this was the first incarnation of Team Fortress. Back in around 96, 97. Um, 96 was when Quake was, and 97, 98 may have been when uh, Team Fortress was. But, yeah, it was just amazing to see, like, the early version of some of these amazing mods showing up. Just before their cartoon style later. Oh, yeah, it was very rough, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Alrighty, so and then after I guess so this is the point at this point this is where it jumps off for a while because they actually if, if even it was right after this game that's when they all broke up Dramera, whatever that secret sauce was he left the company and they quite, they kept making sequels right, right. I mean, to Quake and they kept advancing but and Carmack has made some amazing technology over the years it did before he finally eventually left to Oculus but they've never really broken out the same way they did with these initial ones. No. Because the rest of the industry picked up like Unreal, picked, like you're about to go into, Unreal picked up the baton, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing is, like, they kept innovating, yeah, technologically, but they also kept, didn't have anything new to really offer gameplay-wise, so their evolution kept growing technologically, but as far as any sort of gameplay or story or other innovation, it was like yeah, we got colored lights and, you know, sort of better shadows and all this, and it's great. It's awesome to look at, but there was really nothing new there. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's so when, you, when you lose, like, a John Romero, then you yeah. lose the design part of the whole Yeah, question. it's like he was mad at him for goofing off, but I was like, goofing off might have been the creative force that was exactly. keeping some of this stuff fun, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll see. And how they that. both did horrible with that. He did horrible, too, you know. You mm-hmm. know, with Daikatana and all those things, like you mentioned, like, he... They, they, it is a weird, you know, contentious relationship, but you felt like they needed each other yes. to make yeah. this kind yeah. of magic. relationship right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely weird that way. Like, hey, you both were kind of like, together, you're awesome, apart, you're just like doing kind of well at what you do, so. You're successful, but it's not ground, you know, industry breaking, you know, groundbreaking and disruptive mm-hmm. and stuff. Actually, yeah. honestly, I'll still say Carmack is doing that industry. Well, he's still a genius, yeah, but, but then he just started, he got bored and started making rockets and stuff. Rockets too, like, and VR and all sorts of He's whatever. like a super genius, yeah. 
All right, but uh, yeah, so moving on to um, Unreal, which started to sort of uh, get a, a little more attention around 1998 after Quake. Because, I mean, Quake 2 came out, but, you know, it was... You know, it was kind of like an iteration on the previous ones. Maybe a little different. But um, this is kind of when the engine wars began. It's like, you know, now you've got um, Epic offering up the Unreal Engine in competition. And, you know, they are actually, you know, a very good competitor to it. I mean, their technology is very good as well. And that was Tim... and still is Tim Sweeney, you know, providing the technology for the Unreal Engine. Um, and, and this, and they merge in like almost the same thing. So they have a kind of crazy because you have the Tim Sweeney, and then you have a younger Cliff Blazinski, Cliffy B, rising in the ranks. Yes, who is the Cliffy John Romero B. type character? Yeah, right? yeah. Um, yeah, Cliffy Cliffy B. He, um, you know, he created a lot of the mods. We, you know, he was, I believe, he was part of Counter Strike and Action Quake. Um, I, I think I've got that right. And he's and actually he's got some games coming out now that um, bookend the FPS genre. Yeah, Lawbreakers, that new yeah. game that's coming out. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And and then you know obviously we we know him from uh, some other stuff later, such as Gears of War. But uh, yeah, so Epic they're coming out and they're starting. That's a third person shooter. That we're not talking about I, that today. I, yes, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but um, yeah, cover, so this cover shooter really. Uh, say what? Oh, no, go ahead. I was saying cover a shooter, but sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Way to derail it. Yeah. Come on, man. I'm a one-track mind. Don't derail me. Um, <laughs> no, but like I was saying before, this is definitely a time where you're starting to get into the licensing aspect of engines, which, you know, now with Unity and things of that nature, you know, it's sort of like, oh, well, engines are free, and, you know, I can pick Unreal or Unity or whatever, and um, oh boy, yeah, it's oh boy. I've got all these options, and they're free, and you can even get source. But this was a time where it's like, you want our engine? You're going to pay us a million dollars for full source, and we'll just give you that. I don't even know if there was support back then, but this yeah, was the first time you not. saw people selling their tech to other companies to make games. Uh, well, maybe not the first time. Again, there's always some exception, but you know, this is one of the big times you saw them saying, "Hey, we're going to license our tech." And like id's gonna license their tech and now it's like do who do i want do i want id tech or do i want you know unreal engine type of thing so and yeah that because the id tech that's a, that goes how far they cared about I and mean, they started licensing it licensing it but they don't care because it's like yeah we don't even have a name for it id tech yeah it's just you're, you're, <laughs> you know you're I mean? gonna take some stuff from us to make or a even game. unreal engine that was the end game the engine they made unreal. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's like this is the unreal engine wait but Bye. didn't you make other games yeah but this is the unreal yeah. engine <laughs> yeah we made it then yeah it's our biggest flagship but um but it but it speaks to how genius like tim sweeney and you know again oh, Carmack yeah. were because you have an industry full of hundreds of engineers thousands maybe but it was still at that time, and we've known people like Raphael we worked with, he worked with the Quake engine and stuff, that instead of like, they spent probably more time just deciphering what went on in the engine and modding it to their purposes and not even attempting to make their own, you know, just shows how far and ahead these guys were technologically than everybody else. Absolutely. And that actually is a good segue into, in 1998, we get a little game called Half-Life showing up. And that was actually built off of uh, <coughs> Quake C or the Quake engine. So this was like the original Quake engine. So we've we've seen you know uh, probably Quake Two at this point, Unreal. But uh, Valve was sort of like underground on the side for a while 
making Half-Life and based off of Quake C. And this is probably, a, I felt, was a big leap for sort of FPS storytelling because the whole intro was this sort of movie montage of you on this monorail, you know, giving... Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, just giving names of the people that worked on the game. You're hearing updates about, like, it's, it's like you're going to your job the first day and it's just this epic thing of you going to Black Mesa and knowing there's something epic you're about to do here and you're not sure what, but there's sort of setting up the atmosphere for it and it it was just amazing to me um and it uh it it also you know it also introduced a lot of technology as well i mean do you guys like how'd you guys feel about this did you play that when it came out andrew maybe not obina <laughs> yeah i didn't I'm, no i didn't i didn't play when it came out but once after once <laughs> this is like crazy like once you know, 2007, 2008, once I started getting into programming more mm-hmm. and getting back into the... I kind of went back and played all these games, you know? And, like, I was like, oh, my God. Because even then, it still hits you just as hard. I mean, just from the game design. The fact that you actually, for the first time... Because I think I went and played, like, after getting so much in, like, the Bioshock. And Bioshock owes so much to that Half-Life game, how the story's to- told. Where you're just this person in the room and the story's... Ha- There's no cutscenes. Nothing's yeah. happening. It's all from your point of view. Like, all the story is, like, diegetic in a sense that it's not, you know, cutting away to something or doing... It's all happening there. And just that subtle thing is, like, it sounds like the most boring thing. It's like, how's that game start? So like, well, you're, like, riding a train for, like, ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> just standing there. But it's so immersive, and it gets you into that idea. And, like, the fact that they never cut away from that point of view, and you're always right there. And it's... It, you're on a journey. And, like, going back... You know, again, 10 years after it was released and kind of going through it for the first time, it was incredible to me. I mean, the the controls are a little rough, you know, the melee is a little rough and stuff, but it's amazing how well the story is told just compared to, I mean, even now it's almost 20 years later compared to games now. It's like it's such a well done, just narrative and just the fact that we're like, we respect our player. We want them to go through this. Uh, interesting journey and that's why this is a great I mean this is like the first time it's like it's not a technological leap it, it was in some ways but it's it's a it's much more on the design side and storytelling side that it it did something for the first time that's why you know they built their fortune on it because it was the first time people's like oh these could be like movies this is interesting yeah it's like the first time they realized narrative has value or you know it yeah. really just it just seemed that way um yeah, but and there, there. On top of that, there were some, a, a few technological innovations as well, and I'll just go through these real fast because I feel like we're dwelling on each, or at least I'm dwelling on each game a little too long. But um, this is fun, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, actually, Valve was one of, the, or Half Life was one of the first games to actually use skeletal animation, and so it's like the That's I, cool. Yeah, the idea of having this skeletal structure with inside your 3D mesh model that would tell it how to move versus just having a bunch of keyframes for all the vertices to say this vertice is here now and this other vertice is here now in this frame it's like it's basically saying okay the skeleton's here now now we can extrapolate on where the rest of the bits are in the mesh to do it it's one of the first games to do it as well as have like you know some dialogue with these little i like to call it like muppet mouth flaps like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's like the scientists are just like, good morning, Gordon. Kind of yeah, things, yeah. It's like, it was just this one like weird sort of flap that would just kind of like beat in the wind as it would talk to you. And I was like, well, hey, that's more than I saw from previous games. They would just usually... Be, How are you doing, Gordon? Yeah. Get to the lab immediately. Yes, <laughs> get over there. <laughs> 
And um, and I guess the last thing I'll say about Half-Life was the AI started to get better. And because um, I remember instances in there where it was like, you know, oh, I'm shooting at some guys. I'll go hide behind a box. And this is still burned into my mind. I did that and they actually were like, frag out. They knew I went behind a box. They couldn't oh, see yeah. me. And they decided to throw a grenade at me instead of just blindly firing around. And they killed me. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? No. No, you're supposed to be stupid and just keep firing at yeah. the box. And like, But I was very impressed by that. I was like, okay, i got to think a different way now. In 2000, we have a game that comes out that's a... Uh, Deus Ex, and this is by Ion Storm, and this actually kind of links, well, not kind of, but does link back to id Software again, and John Romero, this is a company that John Romero helped, uh, or actually was a part of setting up, and... Um, yeah, the funding g- for it, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and there's about, I think, you know, because there's Diakaton, Deus Ex, and I think there was another game that's <clears throat> escaping my mind right now, this is that Masters of Doom book as well, but... Um, you know, actually setting up this company to create some, some try to create some more innovative games, and uh, Deus, right. Deus Ex was very interesting because it's it's starting to bring even more elements into the FPS genre. So now you've got like sort of storytelling on top of technology, on top of guns, on top of now like cyber enhancements, and it's it's the first game that, that I can remember playing that you know brought in some more RPG elements. It's into the first person right. shooter realm because there's Baldur's Gate and stuff like that. It was like you definitely Dungeons and Dragons RPG stuff, but you know you had this game was the first one I remember in art and uh, FPS land where it was like, hey, you know you get, you got some weapons, some cybernetics, some hacking. You know, it's like you're trying to fill out your character the way you want to play the game, and it's not just about like some fast running and stuff. It's about like you know sort of moving through your environment, figuring things out, trying to get to the next place based off of your skills. So it was, it was a very new thing. I thought. Why would you like? What do you think, Andrew? Did you play that? Yeah, I played this. I mean, again, a little bit after it came out because I was didn't have a PC at that time to play <laughs> this. But um, <clears throat> this was interesting too because if you follow the history of this, it's like. It was Wolfenstein and Doom just blowing people away. It's like it's 3D space or whatever. Like the amalgamation of that. It, that's such a crazy, mind blowing idea. Is you can walk around in a virtual world, right? And as I got better, it gets it gets more involved. And then, as we said, the Half Life is like. So what what else can we do to simulate? Because I guess everybody's always going for like a poor man's version of the holodeck. That's like the ultimate dream <laughs> everybody's thinking about. So it's like, how can I, you know, get it that much more immersed? And you're like, well, what if there's this crazy story? You're like, okay. Now I'm in this. It's like a 3D world, and I can go through this whole story, and it's this big journey. And then this one had all that, but then, like, yeah. it gives you the power of choice, which is so interesting, you know, as a player just going through something, where you can approach the situations, like, wasn't it, like, it's pacifist version, or, you know, stealth, or just action version? Like, you know, you do it two or options. three different ways yeah. of scenarios, yeah. And so it's like... But that's crazy. That's mind-blowing in the, the field, you know, f- for game design. That's when – this is when games – the idea started getting interesting to me. I mean, first-person shooters are always – the reason I like first-person shooters, and I mentioned this before maybe, is that I never liked platformers and other games because to do well in those games, you have to be perfect. Like for Mario, to do certain levels, you have to hit the thing exactly the right way. Right. And that just is boring to me. I don't want to, I don't like games where you have to be perfect. Like, you know, I like <laughs> games where you can have creativity and mess around. And my first word shooter is so interesting to me is that 
you can enter a room and it's like, oh, I'm going to strafe over here and then flank them and do these things. You know, it's interesting tactical decisions. It's creative. I like that. I think it's very fun and you don't have to be perfect. You can just get it done and, and it creates moments. That's what all these games are about is creating fun moments. And this, that's when you add the element of choice also into the story, that, that idea is such a fundamental to like how so many games like Mass Effects and all those things in the world happen now. You know, the Metal Gears <laughs> later on, stuff like that, that that you can do something like that. It was a big game design shift, I think, at the time. I mean, because, again, like you said, it happened in... Um, a lot of RPGs are built yeah. on that idea, but adding it to FPS is, it's like it's another step forward for that genre. Exactly, because it's like, you, like you said, it's like, hey, here's now some choice. You know, it's not like you have to just get all the weapons and shoot the stuff. You have choice in how you approach it. Um, right. Let's see. Okay. Oh yeah. Now we're at 2001 and Halo. Maybe Obina can start talking. Finally. Now. Yeah, he's <laughs> whoa, whoa, yeah, Obina, yeah. Are you there? <laughs> exactly. This is we when I got a console okay. and I can actually start playing games. <laughs> I mean, back then, I mean, the the one game that I did play that you guys really mentioned was Doom. I think Doom Two was like the only one that I. Well, I guess in Duke Nukem back then, we don't even mention that. But um, yeah. you know oh, those wow. games are have. the one, yeah. the one or two. Yeah, we should have the, um, that I played back in the day. Um, but yeah, Halo is when when I really started getting into FPSs and, and understanding like how much weight and how much fun they could be, especially as a, in multiplayer experience. But I won't take over the conversation. I'll let you ask me the questions when you get to it, Andrew or <laughs> Ryan. Okay, I just want to say well, one thing. I'll I'll say my part that I have. Halo introduced like Halo blew my mind in so many ways and I, I the story is I went up and visited one of my friends because at the time I was college age at this time Hobina you're still young in that <laughs> but my <laughs> so friend one of my friends was going to one of my friends was going to University of Georgia your alma mater Hobina and I was visiting I was visiting him over the summer but he had like a test and he's like shit I gotta study this test then I'm free the next few days and we can have fun but here I'm gonna go borrow my friend's Xbox just play this Halo game while I'm studying <laughs> and I was like okay whatever like I had a drink <laughs> I was making like a liquor and stuff I was like alright whatever and then so I start playing this it starts and like oh I was like <laughs> and I was like what the hell is this like this is already I'm like I'm in this is neat and I remember I, and of course I was blown away and then I, I mean eventually he came in and he started playing co-op and then Six hours later, it's dawn. The sun's coming up. And I was like, did you study? It's like, oh, yeah, crap. It's like, <laughs> but right when this game starts off, you start in the Pillar of Autumn. I guess that's the ship name. And, you you know, you're awoken as a Master Chief. And when you first fight, like, the, the moment you see your first elite down mm-hmm. a hallway, I'm like, yeah, I've kind of played shooters before. They had a lot of crappy ones for PS1, remember? Mm-hmm. Like, kind of just dumb shooter things. Or, and I played some GoldenEye, so there's stuff like that. GoldenEye was another big one. <laughs> yeah. But, um, N64. Yeah, and so like I was familiar with them, but I was like, this is feeling... I like this. That was the big thing about the controls. The Elite, it's down the hall. I throw a grenade. He dodges it. Oh, and I almost yeah. dropped the controller. <laughs> because this sounds... This is like such an old man moment because people are like, oh uh, yeah, it's yeah, like they, they get so pissed. They nowadays and game reviews are like the AI is kind of stupid. I mean, they just gave me a lecture on philosophy, but it's pretty stupid because you know <laughs> they can't they can't follow me home and like what I was like what <laughs> like it, just comparatively before that the AI was just always there. People would pop up and they throw a frag like that blew you away, you know. But 
they didn't have what felt like intelligence. And the yeah. fact that they could they could dodge and flank you, it was very creepy at first. Yeah, and that, I was like, and I got scared by that. And I was like, oh. Yeah, and not <laughs> only that, that that improvement to combat, like along with the story, actually gave that the game so much more meaning and so much more life. Like the yeah. them you know reacting to combat in the way they did you know really sold i guess told their story as like you know these elite and and these you know well i'm trying to this is going to say the wrong one but yeah like a different race that you know you know we're combating <laughs> with this uh <laughs> these humans so it was just interesting you know dynamic to see how their you know the story played along with the new combat and new ai so it was really cool and they they just i mean and again i didn't play pc shooters so i'm i'm also by far you're probably a mouse and keyboard guy, right? You prefer that, Ryan? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> See, I don't, because I agree, I am a person of Halo, and I, mouse and keyboard shooters are not fun to me. Because, yes. like, I just feel like I'm pointing at their head. I'm like, oh, that's not fun. Because there's a little bit of, like, a gunslinger thing with a controller that I learned from Halo, because that was my indoctrination, that I just love. And it just, because those controls are so perfect. And they, but they're they continue so to be great. Slow. I mean, even Destiny, despite they're all. So yeah, slow. well, but. And then you also yeah, have like the trigger of the controllers, you know. It just feels that's cool. Well, but yeah. I'm not playing. Yeah, I'm not playing against other people on PCs. They also have a controller, so I have a chance. Right, you know, right. I'm not. I agree with you. I agree with you. It is totally more effective, and people have you know laser focused gameplay on PC matches. I don't want to do that. I kind of like yeah, I'm swinging it around and trying to get you, and then like I, it's like feels like you're firing from <laughs> your hip more than you know. It's just it's Andrew's it's a kind fun of kind of gamer that like I'm winning. <laughs> I'm winging it, <laughs> and so I, I, that that to me is a little more fun. Like the the idea, and I guess that's a. I mean, being and I kind of grew up doing that. So yeah, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to imagine I, you now. Too, uh, great too, the controller rubber. What I'm starting to imagine you now as like uh, when you play in the racing games, you're the ones that like move the whole your whole body in the controller. Dude, I told turning. you. Yeah, no, I'm not even kidding you. Remember, I told you that story when I was a kid. And I used to play Nintendo. I would do that shit, and I'd be like, Ugh! and I would accidentally rip it off, and the thing would fall on the floor and stuff. <laughs> and this happened so many times that when I went to my friend's house, this kid I knew in the neighborhood, but my sister, my older sister, was friends with his older sister. And I went to their house, and they're like, oh, cool, you got Nintendo? Let's play it. And then he told me, he looked at me straight face and said, my mom says you can't play my Nintendo, because your sister told us that you told us about your habit. I was like, what? <laughs> So I was, I, or like my my you know like I don't know what it was, but apparently this, my reputation preceded me that I was like violent. I had, out of the yeah. He's like, like, himself with the cord. He's just twisting it around and jumping off the walls, and so apparently they didn't like that. But wireless controllers, the greatest invention for me. Yeah. <laughs> and with that diversion, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's past. Uh, everyone, note the psychological profile. <laughs> yeah, uh, I go hard. Yeah, saying. you do shit, man. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, Halo. Uh, just some of the things that I guess it offered, like to modern shooters that kind of weren't there in the past. Where uh, you know, you start, sort of got your first like aspects of limited weapon carry. You know, you can only say have like like two primary weapons at a time and a set of grenades. You know, this is moving away from sort of the Doom Quake mentality of like, all the weapons, all the time, just kill, kill, kill. This was like, hey, pick your favorites, and that's what you're going to have to deal with. Um, another one is also, you know, shield regen. Yeah, and I, this is I, a modern one. 
Yeah, and I really felt, yeah, I feel like this kind of sort of led into like modern cover based shooters and stuff like that is that, you know, you had a shield, it went down, but if you sort of got out of the way and waited, you know, it would regen itself. And, you know, that that was a really sort of cool innovation. And I think that sort of spiraled into sort of some third person shooter cover based mechanics that we have today. So. Um, and even that first Halo, they, they kind of hashed you that, like, they had a shield that regenerated, but you still had health you had to collect. And after that, they just right. went all the way and said, everything regenerates your shield and your health if you, you know, get out of combat for a second. Yeah, which is an interesting, you know, design choice because now you have said you want to ditch a mechanic for leaving cover to find maybe a benefit for yourself to just saying you can stay behind cover and just it'll it'll regenerate eventually just don't look you know it's like la 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 eventually your health comes back you know but it's you know it's a design decision for the game so yeah another Uh, thing i added with oh go ahead go ahead yeah, see, another thing they added that in Halo that was really unique was um, you know adding like vehicles to you know this first person uh, experience yeah. like that wasn't really seen before. Now you could like mount a vehicle, you could drive it, you could also you know actually still still shoot from vehicles while it was moving, which was another new experience to the FPS that we really hadn't experienced. So that was a really uh, yeah, and 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 kind of related to that too, the big design idea of Halo, and which kind of the reason it blew everybody out of the water because I guess after all these all these FPSs are coming up and it was always a technical limitation of enemies and what you could do and so there was always a pacing that was natural inherent to the technology but as these things got better you've got games they're just dumping enemies on you and they don't know and Halo is the one that they you know coined that term the 30 seconds of fun where like you would get into really intense combat then you'd have a break you know and go explore and horrible backtracking in the first Halo by the way too but you do stuff and then you'd have another fun encounter then another and they, it was so perfect that's why I mean I haven't done this in many games in my life but that's why I could sit there for six to seven hours and play it straight and not realize it because yeah. it's like a dopamine drip <laughs> you know you're like yeah. oh yeah and, oh, oh this is fun oh, oh this mm-hmm. is fun this is neat <clears throat> yeah, so and that was really they, they, they all follow that now yeah yeah, yeah. All right, nice. And uh, I, actually, one last thing about Halo is, uh, like, first Halo and the games after that, Machinima, uh, I mean, I may, it may have been done before, but, like, say, Rooster Teeth, Red versus Blue, this is the yeah. first time I can remember them just using these FPS games to actually just kind of, like, create their own side stories and just funny shit that were, like, totally amazing to watch. Have you guys seen those, or...? Yeah. yeah, if you're wondering why the Warthog in Rocket League is called a Puma, yes. go watch the first episode of Great <laughs> Reference. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. They're free. They're on the internet, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, on like YouTube, they're just... I think, yeah. I yeah, watched I the first season. I didn't watch the eight well. seasons. I didn't watch the crazy eight seasons that they had. I watched the first season. I was like, okay, that's good. <laughs> but I, right. they're funny, though. Yeah. Uh, all right, so... I don't know. I feel like I'm going to have to go on speed up mode here. We get so much stuff. Now we're going to um, get into serious mode. Yeah. Military well, actually, I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, no, actually, I'm taking the cop out here because, you know, say, like, what do we have? Like, you know, uh, I, like, I don't know, like 1998 or so. Yeah, like, you know, Saving Private Jeez. Ryan. The, like, well, hold on. No, I'm not going backwards. I'm just saying it's a reference to, like, there's, like, World War Two. like, you know, I guess everybody's like paying a lot of attention to that and then you sort of have this era of military fps where it's just 
There's, there's like these incremental change. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was saying. This is a good thing because it relates to my story. Because I got into Halo and got all into that and kind of sort of had an Xbox and played and got really into games again. They came, you know, it was up on a rise, a crest. And then all these games started and they're fascinating. Like, I bought a PlayStation 2 and I went and bought that Medal of Honor game, which was popular that time because mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan came out and they had the crazy Normandy, which is fascinating. It was mm-hmm. breathtaking, oh, yeah. that game. But then the third one came out, and other ones, and it's all these World War II shooters. And I just actually, I literally gave away my PlayStation Two to a friend. I was like, I don't really. I, want don't this I was on the opposite side of that. Like when, <laughs> no, you liked yeah, it. When you're getting came older, out, you're like, yeah, this yeah. is serious. Exactly. No. <laughs> this is real war. Because yeah. it's funny because I was like in ROTC at the time, so I was like, hell uh, okay. yeah. Well, well there so. you go. Yeah. So I, and that was like the actually first time I played. Um, they need me. Yeah, they, <laughs> my country. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what accent that was though. But anyway. <laughs> so it was like the first time I actually played it on PC too. It was like uh, that Medal of Honor, and was it Rainbow Six too? Uh, I played on PC, which is actually really well, fun. Yeah. Uh, and then Modern Warfare was another big one that I played on console. So yeah, that, those was just like the age of military FPSs that I really liked and and really enjoyed. Uh, but I think it was after Modern Warfare Two I, I had to check out because it was just the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, and that that so, was just actually yeah. kind of my point for it it's like those were there were a lot of fun games during that period but i i I just felt it was kind of like a blur of like you know we're just kind of you know yeah we got our technology pipeline set we're just kind of like do it do it do it here are these like shooter games and it wasn't like till about 2007 and like the orange box came out we um a little earlier half-life 2 had come out i believe and um you know, this is where I was like, oh, shit. Now I'm kind of, like, remembering why I love this stuff. It's just they were starting to introduce things like uh, the physics in, uh, the physics engine. It's like, like I remember some of their early demos of, like, walking through, the, you know, the levels. And they're, like, picking up, like, buzz saws and knocking over barrels and, like, throwing the buzz saws at peoples. And they're ragdolling through areas. And it was, you know, probably not the first time it had been done. But, the, like, at that level, you know, it was, like, you know actually having physics puzzles within your game and you know using that technology to sort of accentuate your first person gameplay which was really neat to me so um and there was also other aspects like a sort of like facial animation episodic content that started coming out um you know the uh i, I this one of the first big companies i can remember that were like hey you know what we're gonna start like releasing this on like sort of an interval instead of just trying to do you know this big game all at once um i don't know do you guys remember anybody else trying to do that at the time because I, I feel like they were one of the first at least big companies that tried to do that yeah now, i don't know anybody at the time because i mean valve was the only ones that had the balls to do that <laughs> The balls meaning like huge stacks of cash, but yeah, <laughs> like the, yeah. The balls made of money, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like we don't care. Yeah, they made that first half life. Like we'll just do what we want to now. Yeah, but I mean, you know, so yeah, that was an error for ep- like it's kind of sort of epic co- episodic content. So you got like Sam and Max. You got like you know, so the modern uh, Walking Dead episodic content. Um, you know, it, it was one of the pioneers of that sort of release schedule. Um, you know, we never got Half-Life 3 after Episode 2, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> then, you know, uh, they also had, like, a shit ton of mods that came out for them. And, you know, like, Day of Defeat, Counter-Strike, TF2, um, 
you know, and TF2 was something in the making for, I don't know, at least like 10 years or so. Uh, so, and it was kind of like, you know, taking the, F, taking the FPS um, to sort of a, like back to its roots. Because, I mean, we remember it's like, hey, Quake, um, Quake had Team Fortress originally and then they were going to iterate on it. And then they sort of wait, like they had an iteration at one point that was just sort of a military shooter. And they sort of moved on to like kept it underground for a while and saying, this isn't working. And they sort of came out with this uh, like sort of more fun, stylized game that is still going today where, you know, they even started integrating things like crafting hats, unlocks and all sorts of shit within it. Um, And then, of course, the Orange Box also had like Portal, you know, it's an FPS puzzler. Yeah, so you're I'm shooting, sure you guys yeah, played that. Yeah. Portal, yeah, Portal is actually is not my favorite game of all time. I would say, but it's actually my favorite game experience of all time. Because I played it in one sitting. It's like four hours or something. Yeah, and I was just. I mean, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't played it. Because even if you're listening to this and you're younger and you're like, oh, that's an old game. That's like ten years old. Go play it. Just sit down and play it in one sitting. Because just the way that story you play, it, it's a master class in game design. How they teach you how to do the puzzles, and they teach you how to get more complex. And then that teaching starts to become, you need to get story elements that start popping in, and that becomes, you use those teachings as the story progresses. It's just, just amazing. It's such a, like a perfect, complete game design experience that I loved. And it's the first thing they ever played is physics like that. You know, you build up your momentum and throw yourself and... It's exhilarating. It's the only kind of exhilarating puzzle game. You know, that's a, you don't hear that description often. <laughs> no, definitely. And and GLaDOS. Uh, you can't be GLaDOS. Yeah, that, a fantastic character and, they thought of. Yeah. And Jonathan Colton song. Right. Oh, yeah, Jonathan Colton. He had so many good foul songs. Um, all right. <laughs> so, okay, like, we're going to speed it up here. We're running a little on time. Um, and Abina's So now we're just getting into it. the mashup of yeah. different genres. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing massively different John. So, you know, uh, and again, we're making broad leaps here, guys. So it's I'm sure there's a lot of other games out there that have made impacts in other ways. But this is just like sort of like high-level thinking on it. You've got 2009's Borderlands. I mean, you're starting to go back to sort RPG of like... RPG plus RPFPS, right? Yeah, yeah RPG, FPS. You're starting to think of like, you know... Great sort, game. Yeah, sort of a simplified Deus Ex. And you can play it with friends, though. So it was... Uh, you know, and it was silly as shit. It was like vulgar. And, and as an fun. incoherent yeah. story. Yeah, <laughs> incoherent like, story. That, uh, it didn't even matter. You just had fun playing yeah. it. Yeah. You gotta so, play with your friends, though. Exactly. I know Zach hated that game. I was like, and he's like, you played it? I was like, how'd you play it? He's like, by myself. I was like, that game sucks yeah. if you play it by yourself. Yeah, it, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, but for Zach, here we've got, and again, we're making another big leap. There we go. 2014. Destiny. Oh, this is his. Uh, this is his. This is title. his jam. And <laughs> his... We, uh, we'll repeat again that he has over a thousand hours logged. <laughs> yeah, him, you mean you would throw him under the bus again? And he <laughs> didn't record an intro for the podcast last week. That's all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. He, he, he didn't shit. write his intro. He doesn't have. He's a out of the country. He's I can out. give him shit. <laughs> He's doing He's everything wrong. He's gonna move out of country. He's probably ISIS. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what? That seems logical. To me, what? Why is it so bad? Like, that's the worst thing I've ever said. Of me. Yeah. Zach's ISIS. Oh, you son of a bitch. Yeah. How dare you, sir? Oh, man. Oh, these guys. And Destiny, we've talked about it a lot. We've talked about our disappointment before because you had Bungie coming off all the Halo games, which were 
Halo 2, Halo... Uh, Halo 3 is my favorite. I think Halo 3 is a masterpiece game. And just what you could do with that game and the, the challenges they presented to you in Reach and was fun too. And they left. You know, they sold off the Halo name, to, or they didn't sell it, Microsoft owned it. They bought themselves out of Microsoft. You know, made a deal with the devil, apparently in hindsight, with Activision, <laughs> and said, "We want to make this awesome experience, and all the like. The concept of Destiny is amazing. The concept, of all that, the lore, everything's awesome. And you're like, you're gonna make like an MMO RPG FPS. <laughs> you know, you're like, okay. And it just, it's a lot of none of those things. It is a full FPS because again, the Destiny." The bungee control scheme and the feel moves forward. It's a but. tight shooter. It's a beautiful tight yeah. shooter to play with mm-hmm. friends. Like, the MMO aspect, I feel, <clears throat> is lacking. It's not like, you know, a World of Warcraft level sort of massive experience, you know. But, you know, they got some things right with the guns and the skills, but yeah. it's just, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like ah, it's, it's on this cusp of something great and uh, you know hopefully they find that later i mean it's a fun I game know, i played it yeah, a they took lot, small so. pieces of the mmo genre and fit it into yeah. the fps is what it feels like um so, and I, I think i think i guess people were expecting a lot more of the mmo uh, aspect of the game to you know or to just be some kind of a story oh yeah like, some even story because yeah, like that's the problem of the game it doesn't even work as an fps there's no story exactly and, yeah. and both, yeah, both yeah. mmo and fps they kind of require that you know you have a foundation of a lore you know some kind of lore behind that that really drives the game or and their what, lore is great but it's just in those cards yeah it, it's inaccessible <laughs> yeah. to the player it's really it's yeah. offline it's not lore conv- it's like yeah. yeah i don't get yeah it's that's the problem is you're expecting people nowadays to actually make an effort to go read up on what you just unlocked and, and their lore is no. so awesome it's the idea to have all these aliens but they, it's, it has this whole high fantasy twist on it so you fight some alien but he's like doomthor the you know the human slayer that's his name like <laughs> oh, cool. from the moon yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's all this fun like it combines sci-fi and fa- it's just awesome it's yeah. just they totally shit the bed with this one like the release of it it's gotten way better than yeah. all the add-ons they've added it's just it's definitely it an enjoyable game yeah but yes. I mean you, like I guess in my head it was like you know my sights were set like super high for it and then you know what I what we got was definitely you know competent capable and fun <laughs> And you know a tight shooter, but it just like it wasn't the MMO I thought we were getting. Yeah. And they, I mean, I don't know what I mean because I mean Bungie has been recycled over the years, right? I mean, everybody there is other people. I mean, there's probably some original people there, but they have whatever it is, whatever their QA process or what they have a secret sauce with like control and feel. Yeah, they got oh, that yeah. right. They got you know that what I mean? Down, like, yeah. but that changes with new technology, new games. But somehow they've kept. It's just so solid. Yeah. It's like the best feeling game of any of these. You know, they've always had. I mean, <clears throat> beside all the other yeah, downfalls. whoever's their like input engineer, like the guy yeah. making sure everything feels like quick and responsive. Mm-hmm. Like, give that guy gold bricks every month because he's fucking doing it right. Because <laughs> that's what kept people on the game yeah. for months yeah. while there's the nothing else to play. Controls, yeah. There's like, I hate this, but it's fun. That and yeah. the, art direction, <laughs> the art direction also oh, lends it's itself beautiful. to really yeah. help, helping yeah. out the yeah. story or the gameplay. So, yeah. So yeah. Destiny Two, I have high hopes. Well, yeah, for we it. rail on Destiny a lot, but it. it has I have. I, I'll buy Destiny Two day one. I will. I just. I'm excited for it. I hope, hopefully, hopefully they learn their lessons. And if you've read those articles mm-hmm. in Polygon, apparently they had a lot of turmoil, and maybe some of the reasons why that game got undercut is because they've had like an unprecedented kind of civil war in the community, you know, in their company at that time, and they just kind of apparently the lore and all that other stuff just got paid 
piece like patched together by a bunch of different people just to make yeah. something work. So it's not like there that's what it of, feels like. Yeah. It's <laughs> so. like there's a lot of quote unquote pivots, you know, it's like what? No, why are we yeah. doing this now? So So Yeah. So Destiny Pretty awesome. Now, one of these days we'll two. have an episode about Destiny. We just need to do it because <laughs> we talk we about it. it all well, the that'll time. be that'll be Zach's next yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, Zach's next episode. If he doesn't move to Turkey, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're gonna round this out finally with uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future with 2016 and first-person shooters. Uh, it's been a bit of a lull with them. I felt for like the past few years, like I said earlier, um, some innovations and whatnot. But 2016 is getting interesting because now we have um, th- games like Overwatch coming out. Where now Blizzard's getting in the FPS space, and they're sort of kind of getting in the TF2, you know, genre of it. And it's I played the beta. It was really cool. I really liked it being a first-person shooter junkie. It's like I get to pick, you know, a unique character. And it actually rounds out a team to accomplish an objective. So you've got this sort of like MOBA aspect of like a team-based gameplay for specific <coughs> objectives. And you're going to have to have people counter other people. And, you know, it just it felt really good. It felt really responsive. The characters were, as always with Blizzard games, were pretty well developed. And, you know, it's sort of treading, like, one of the first ones to tread new ground with this. I mean, there's other ones as well, too. Like, sort of, like, Battleborn is out right now, too. I have not played that yet, but I've heard good things about it. Um, It's a little more MOBA-esque than, I guess, maybe Overwatch, where Overwatch is more sort of, like, trending towards just, like, the flat-out, like, team-versus-team objective-based stuff. I feel Um, Overwatch is going to, like... Marvel, their DC though, because I've heard mixed things about Battleborn, at least yes. in the games media. And Overwatch, it's just been nothing but rave reviews. And I didn't yeah. get a pl- chance to play that beta, but I'm super. I'll buy this. Yeah, because I, yeah, people it are, looks fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I've heard just nothing but great things about Overwatch. I didn't get to play the beta, but I downloaded it. I just never got. A time Me too. I downloaded that weekend too. I was like, guys, sorry, yeah. I actually can't. Play. <laughs> I'm sleepy. I, I gotta yeah. go. To sleep. <laughs> I, I played it on PC at work for. Oh well, at lunch at work for a while. <laughs> and, and, it, was, it was like 3 p.m. when good. I saw you playing. Late lunch. Late three, lunch. 3 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it's definitely a lot of fun. I definitely like the direction they're taking it. Um, and I look forward to them releasing new characters to kind of mix things up. You know, because it's going to be an evolving sort of environment, I think. And I mean Blizzard. I mean, you know, it's, that's the thing about this. It's like the reason I will buy it even without even playing the demo because it's Blizzard, and everything they make is actually. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a huge like MMO, so I never was into Warcraft, World of Warcraft that much. But from Diablo three, I mean, just the recent games from Diablo three, Star- you know, Starcraft two yeah. to Hearthstone. It's just like everything. They just they take. They don't innovate. They take this thing and then they say, "Wait a second. We can make they're the apple of game design, basically, right? <laughs> yeah. They try to innovate it and make it the you know the most effective format of that genre. Yeah. So even Hots is a little bit of Heroes of the Storm yeah, is kind of fun. Really I've good. never, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well. And actually, like mechanically, there's um, some interesting bits outside of like you know characters' abilities to do things. You know, you're you're back to like picking up health packs and things of that nature. Like, you're, oh, that's cool. You know, so so you've got your like sort of ammo that sort of regenerates. But you know, now I'm seeing things like, oh look, health packs are now a thing. It's like if you can't, if your team's shitty and doesn't have like a well balanced healer or something, it's like, oh, know the map. Like, and that's a lot of things with the earlier 
FPSs were like, know the map, know where That's the ammo is, know where the FP or the health packs are. It's, it was very much a knowledge based type of thing, and they're sort of bringing a little bit of that back, which I like. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a good yeah. point that we didn't touch on earlier, like all the earlier years. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it was like a FPS in general is like a map. You're like you, Knowledge of the map is almost essential to really oh, yeah. succeed. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, because... Like, multiplayer, the, yeah. Yeah, multiplayer, yeah. yeah. Like, the, yeah, that, that was essential in those multiplayer games early on. Like, you know, you've got players like Thresh who were winning Ferraris off of id Software back in the day. And it was purely... Uh, yeah. good. Yeah, it's, it's from map knowledge. Not only were they great players, you know, like Twitch-wise, Reflex-wise, you know, being able to aim, but it was also knowledge of the map, knowledge of when things respawn, knowledge of where your resources are and how to control them, which, you know, cover-based shooters, they still have an aspect of that, but if you can just duck behind something and get all your health and armor back, it's, like, a little different yeah. than saying, you've got to, like, get your balls out from behind cover and go find that health, find that armor. It's a risk-reward situation for yeah. you. It's a lot more strategy involved there. Well, it's yeah. crazy if you really take a deep dive into that. The only game I've taken that big of deep dive into is Halo 3 back in the day. I'm not blaming 10 years ago, but like, and because at that time I was working, I had my own business. And so I had like, I had freedom and my friend and I would play like three hours of Halo 3 at like in the afternoon a day. Effective business, right? Yeah, that was part of, yeah, eventually I didn't have that business. So, like, <laughs> but it was just part of like, because he got off at a certain time, we just like, so we knew. I knew all those maps so well. Like, you know what angle, if you get up this spot, you can see down through, you know, these sight lines. You just get to know the maps so well. that The fact that, because the weird phenomenon of this is that, you know, the human brain, we don't have a really good memory of, uh, like, lists and things and a lot of facts, but we have a phenomenal memory of spaces. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, our spatial memory. So that's why, they like, there's that great book, Moonwalking with Einstein. The guy talks about, the you know, the, he covered the memory championship, and then he competed and won it a year later and their techniques that they'd make that memory palace so you have to imagine a house imagine all these things in different rooms because we have a really great spatial memory you can remember spacious spaces for the rest of your life you know and but so going back when that master chief collection came out and looking at some of those old maps like this is my childhood home like i remember being <laughs> like it's just it's wild and when you do that with maps like i'm sure you guys didn't you know you might have done that doom or something ryan like you're like I remember this place. You oh, know, yes. it's very, it's so weird when you get to know a map that intimately. It's really Chewy strange. Chewy, home, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Angie, you have the best diversions ever. <laughs> Why? Is that, are you making, are you shitting on me? Yeah, or I'm actually, shitting on you right now. <laughs> God, shut up. <laughs> Ryan, wrap this up. <laughs> oh, All right. <sighs> All right. <sighs> And to Doom. And yeah, back to, to Doom! 2016 Doom. Sans Carmack, Sans Romero, sadly, but doing great things still. Um, like, this is actually a great bookend, I feel, because the game, I've I played it for the, the past couple weeks. Um, you know, I've got multiple hours into it, and it's, uh, it's fast, it's frenetic, it's fun. Like, the soundtrack is old Doom. 
Um, it's kept the essence of the old school shooter where it's like, listen, you things are coming at you. You need to keep moving. You need to keep shooting. There's no cover. Go find your health where you can. You know, use use the things around the level, map knowledge, spatial awareness. You know, it's it's very much a Twitch game again, and they surprisingly can pull this off well. Um, you know, I was a little afraid that this type of game would like go like. I guess get reviewed poorly because you know it's just like oh it's boring or it's like I've got to do all this stuff and I can't keep track of it and it's but it's gotten a lot of great reviews and they've also layered on top of it some learnings from the past uh, or from what you know some gamers want today is like say tailoring it to their experience um, there's you know moments in the game or a lot of uh, systems in the game where Say you can augment your weapons to your playstyle, or arm, augment your armor to your playstyle. Like maybe I want more health, maybe I want more armor, maybe I want more speed. You know, it's like it kind of layers that in too, and it also pokes fun at itself. It remembers what it was, and there are generally instances in it where it's like demon threat too high. I'm not going to open this door. And it's like the computer systems are programmed to recognize there are too demons. many fucking demons outside. Well, it says, I'm not like, opening it says, the airlock. Yeah. It says it's better than that because it says demon levels deemed in unacceptable. Like by that rationale, there are acceptable levels of demons. Yeah, that would be if one or two imps walk through, we're cool. Yeah. But... You know, if you've got a Death Knight type of thing coming through, no, we're not doing that. So. <laughs> Death Knight. I think it's interesting. It kind of mirrors the whole Star Wars thing coming out last year because you like it took fans now taking over these franchises because like people are like, well, Carmack's not there anymore, and everybody's not there. I mean, I'm sure they have people there that are the president of that company. What's his name? I forgot it, but he was there in the old days. But like, you, it, it's like, but these are all new kids now. They weren't even, weren't even like, or teenagers when Doom Three came out. So, but now you have actual true fans that, and that the impressions they got from Doom, Doom Two, and Doom Three, and all that stuff, the 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 greatness of that franchise, they interpreted it in a fun way. You know, they know what it is and what people like about that series. So, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's definitely very cool. And another thing about it is, is this thing was in um, a bit of a de- development hell for a while. Um, like they started working on this when Carmack was still there. Like after Doom Three, starting to develop the new engine. You know, he was still there. They were still working on it. And like for a while, nobody knew what this was going to end up as. And you know, and then there because the, then there was the acquisition by Bethesda. And so I think it was it originally maybe started. You know, about, I, I want to say like nine years ago or something, it's been in development for a long time. And it's almost sort of a Team Fortress 2 thing where it's like they just kept, like, sort of waited it out and finally figured out what do we want to do with this. And then they fucking nailed it. And, like, from what I've seen, it's gotten, like, minimum, like, pretty much eight scores up into nine plus, you know, type of stuff. So it's a very fun game. It harkens back to the original. And it just feels great. And it, you know, and visually, actually, like, the, you were talking about, you know, sort of the, you know, the Carmack influence and the fucking visual uh, aspects of the game. Uh, it looks fantastic. Actually, the computer at work, like, I have to dial it down to zero, almost. Like, pretty much minimize everything or else I'm, like, running a slideshow. But oh, I thought you were going to say, like, great I thought you were saying it like, looks so great that if you put it in Ultra, it's like, it's going to explode my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Look at yeah. that. No, but even, at, but even at those low settings, it looks good. I mean, it looks yeah. good compared to a yeah, lot, I've seen a lot of, of, of shooters now. From it. 
Are you yeah. playing a console at home or? I haven't tried the console yet. No. Oh uh, yeah, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, he's no, just he's just he's just playing it at work. Yeah, he's just okay. skipping out work. Never mind. You can cut this with out. Our <laughs> with our looming deadline, he's just playing. Yeah. It. It's like I played a lot <laughs> of hours. The best. <laughs> what do you guys want? What is it? Sprint review? I love. Well, I'll tell you about the fourth level of Doom. Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, but so I, wait, like, real quick. I'm sorry. I was going to ask a question of you now that you've, yeah, sure. you've given us this presentation. Like, where, where, um, where do you think FPSs or where do we all think FPSs are going? I mean, I guess now is it the direction we see them right now? They're just going to be mixed and matched, or is there some kind of new territory we think they could possibly move into? I guess we don't want to give away any ideas, but for me, yeah, I think, um, I think like yeah, I think they're going to keep continue mixing and matching and and. F- Pulling things from other genres, like we said, we saw with Destiny, like trying to pull in the MMO aspects, you know, involve more story or in, you know, technology wise, of course, you know, we have more VR environments probably going to as VR, you know, development ramps up. I think we're going to definitely get a lot more of that in FPS. And, and, you know, as uh, as long as they're, you know, we're not going to have a Doom-esque VR environment, which would scare the living hell out of a lot of people. But you know, we we I feel like there's gonna be a lot more integration in with these new technologies, especially with VR, and for SPSs and and especially you know right. it's even like the hardware as well, like the you know the running platforms, you know the 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 controllers schemes that were gonna be created uh, to work well with FPSs. I feel like that's gonna be like at the forefront in this in these next few years, as you know VR continues to grow. No, I agree. Yeah. I think- yeah. I think it's a great space for it is like you know like you, you said that people are going to keep taking on other aspects but now mediums are changing there's new hardware coming out new ways of yeah, ingesting VR is an ultimate yeah. FPS I guess yeah exactly and you know you figure out how to get people like completely immer- immersed in that and then Doom's just going to give people heart attacks and yeah. it's going to be <laughs> exactly. ah, yeah I mean it's like Kong <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, my I feel like like I I get an elevated sort of like oh my god when I'm, I'm playing the new one at work and then the soundtrack kicks in. <laughs> saying at work, yeah. I'm trying to make this easy where we can cut it out. Yeah, but I'm you keep saying tomorrow. They're like, why isn't that done? I'm like, well, your podcast said doom at work twenty god times that episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they tried to they cut out like half That's of them. That's because the computer over. can't run the damn thing, <laughs> or at least it's not as good as the one at work but anyway yeah. you know what i want friend this is maybe a better way to phrase this question too like what do you want out of fps in the next few years mm-hmm. what i want even this could be in vr too but we've, we've come so close because we've had destiny and you know usually the bungee games even call of duties handle really well like games that control so well and they're tuned for perfection to perfection you know that's how they feel and control and then you have games the other end of the spectrum like the uh um, mass effects of the world that are kind of they're third person or shooters but they're, they're shooters and they're other games that are bigger stories and RPGs you know or even Fallout 4 right for example which is a shooting first person game mm-hmm. um, but those games the controls are horrible it's like I just want somebody to have the budget <laughs> to combine mm-hmm. both of those things like amazing maybe the new mass mm-hmm. effect will do that where it's like it can control they spend it because I mean that's a, I guess that is a big budget to try to get you know the feel and tune that to perfection but i want those things to, to, to collide where it feels just as great as halo or one of those games it did but 
it's like a massive 60 hour story that's crazy you know that'll be an ultimate thing for me and it's like it's kind of a cop out because i feel like we're almost there <laughs> like we're rather a few games away from that happening because fallout 4 is not bad it's a not it's a pretty adequate shooter it's still i, I don't imagine playing matchmaking with those controls you know oh, but no, no. <laughs> but it was competent you know it was getting closer so I'm looking forward to that when the, it's like all genres merge. It's a puzzle FPS, RPG, MMO, you know. <laughs> it's like, what is a genre that is only one genre? You know, so that'll be fun. I love them. <laughs> FPS is always fun. Absolutely. So, okay. yeah, I guess, yeah, it's... Uh, FPS kind of actually reminded me... Sorry. It reminded me that the, the genres or the melt, melting pot of genres reminded me of... Um, I feel like Star Citizen is kind of doing something like it. You know, it's like melting, you know, RPG, FPS, you know, I've survival. I've heard of another game would be another that might be doing yeah, that That's too. doing a lot of it. Plug it. Plug <laughs> <Plug> it. <laughs> but anyway. He won't plug his game until it's ready. Yeah, that's exactly. Always, that. Fair enough. Fair it. enough. <laughs> but if you'd like to finish your thought on Star Citizen. No, I was just saying, like, yeah, it's, it, see, yeah, so, and they have a massive budget, so, but I think the other argument to, you know, the melting pot of genres uh, is that it's doing too much and not perfecting any of it. Um, so yeah, I, and that's what, that's what I'm saying, like, I wonder how, who who does that, because a lot of, is it because the companies are only good at one or the other? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Story or controls or matchmaking or whatever it is and mm-hmm. that's what it's felt like so far yeah because even good, we, we mentioned destiny because and we we kind of down on destiny it, but honestly the halo story like it was engaging and felt cinematic but they were never really great stories <laughs> you know what well, i mean they weren't yeah. like here's the, here's the is, thing it's like you're right i think I, I feel like halo like their shooting mechanics their their visuals were all spectacular but it's like if you could get the people at like you know Bethesda to come in and say right. here's how you actually construct quests and like systems right. to do this now granted their <clears throat> Bethesda shit is buggy and it's sort of cutely buggy you know it's not a thing that bothers you it's just like yeah it's got some issues but it's like they could have showed them a way to sort of maybe more give a better uh, like texture to the world. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Borderlands almost came close. Borderlands yeah. 2 is a great feeling game, but it's just like I don't care about that world and yeah. it's not an engaging story. It's fun, it's funny. It's just like okay, <laughs> guys, come on. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you said, Andrew, it, it's they're going to need like a huge budget and yeah. a lot of time to perfect like all that stuff. I told you that was my question you talked about in your interviewing question about what would you do if you had unlimited resources with the game? Like my my funny answer was make a secret volcano layer, yeah. but my game related <laughs> question was to do that, like it's combine the best FES controls with the best storytellers, and let's actually make a thing that, that could combine those. It's, it sounds so easy, but it just hasn't been done before. It sounds super hard, actually. <laughs> well, it sounds yeah. so easy in concept. You know yeah, what I mean? Concept, to, to game developers, like, like that's a lot of money. We've seen games that have amazing stories. <laughs> we've seen games with amazing controls. Why can't we just yeah. put them together? Conceptually, yeah. it should be easy. It just—that's yeah. <laughs> not how—that's not how game development works. Yeah. So yeah, FPS is—they've come a long way. They could still go a long way. They got a lot they can integrate from other stuff. They've got a lot they've given to other games. Um, so yeah, it's always been just a very interesting topic to me. So that is why I chose this tonight. And there's no real outcome to this. It's just like. You know, look at all the people involved, look at all the design involved, all the technology involved, and, you know, they've given a lot to the game industry. So, yeah, those are my conclusions. Yeah. 
And we'll end this too with a recommendation. Go buy Masters of Doom. It's a great, yes. great book. It's actually I you read it. I listened to it on Audible. Um, it's a and, fast read. It's really yeah. a fast read. I mean, um, uh, hold on, man. I, it's by Dave David Kushner, who's the author yes, of it. Yes, thank he's, you. He's, he's written for Wired, and he has another book that has other stories. It's, that book's okay. This book is really fascinating because it goes it goes not only into just the deep dive into the technical aspects and the just it's so inspiring you listen to it as a programmer it's like I can build worlds <laughs> like you know yeah, like, as a game just, developer it's yeah, inspiring it's just how amazing like, yeah these guys just dug their heels in I mean they're all they are these guys were indie you know right. Ed's software was indie originally and they're they, punk rock yeah yeah they were yeah. freaking punk rock and they got their stuff together and they came together and they like they found the right special sauce it's like this miracle thing where you know they could develop something that changed the industry and it's it, like andrew said it's a super inspiring book it's a fast fun read i totally recommend it it's it, it'll get you coding drawing you know designing tomorrow so yeah and that that will end this tonight because we'll go we'll quick in quickly end it up because that book ends with carmack having this role the he, he kind of exit the exits that book saying how great of a time it is right now to be a developer in the game industry yeah. because it's all your success. I mean, the, you know, luck and all these things are part of it, but your success is all determined by how hard you work at it. Like you can yeah. do anything, anything is possible. It just it depends on how much you want to give to it and how committed you are to it. So you're like, yes, I'm off now to, to my computer. And, to yes, the internet. and guess what? You don't have to develop texture mapping, BSP trees, light maps, yeah, all that stuff. You already stuff. have a head start. You, you've got things like Unity, Unreal Engine. It's, it's right there for you. These people have built a foundation for you to just not make it a pain in the ass and just you know try to you know try to explore whatever your fancy is. Yeah. So we'll put that in the show notes. Check it out. Yeah. So in the meantime, right I'm gonna send. Send us any questions or comments. You can do that at thedebuglog at gmail.com. Any criticisms, as always, go to Zach at thedebuglog.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to join our private Facebook group where we have all the fun like this on a daily basis? That's the Debug Lounge. You can just search for it on Facebook and we'll let you in. Or you can actually go to our website, thedebuglog.com, and join our newsletter, The Loop. And Eduardo will pop you into the Facebook group that way as well. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Andrew underscore Curry. And I am at O Beans, that's O with an H, Beans with a Z. I am at R E Kilgore, K I L L G O R E. And, and that is it, I guess. And Eduardo I'm helping this, mix, Andrew. Eduardo's some mix of numbers and letters. I don't know yeah. what it is. Take us out, Ryan. Zero, zero, one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know what the outro is, so. Just say goodbye. Everyone. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> say your name. Bye. Say goodbye. I'm Ryan, and I'm walking away from the microphone. I'm Andrew, and I am too walking away. And I'm being and I'm staying right here. Right. We'll see you next time. Peace. Awesome. Take care.
All right. Let's do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Everybody right. just like, sorry guys, I just I, I passed out from nervousness. Now, he had a he had a heart attack or something. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and I shed my face. Like, what the fuck? Oh no, man, this is okay. That was Let's just, do this shit. He just killed Uber. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, that was right. dangerous. He's gonna be awesome. <laughs> oh man, that was too good. Oh man. That's awesome. That was That's really too weird. Funny. <laughs> uh, that should be on the outtakes. <laughs>